Ashley here from Pro Wrestling Illustrated to host our brand new women's wrestling podcast, Get the W. Every few weeks, PWI will release a new episode of Get the W featuring your favorite women in wrestling, wrestling experts, and media members covering the most important topics in women's wrestling today. Heck, there may even be an interview or two. For the debut episode, I thought it might be interesting to start the process of analyzing each individual women's wrestling division to get a well-rounded look at the state of women's wrestling today. First, Ella J from A Wrestling Gal joins me to discuss All Elite Wrestling's women's division, recapping their most recent pay-per-view, Full Gear, analyzing their growth over the last few years, and predicting the future of the division. Let's dive into it. So let's start off by saying hello to our very first guest, Ella J. You can find Ella J all over the internet covering women's wrestling, uh, most notably her podcast, A Wrestling Gal. She also sat on this year's PWI Women's 150 Ranking Committee. Ella, how are you? I am fantastic to be here for the debut episode, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you for agreeing to be on. This is great. Um, let's get right into it. Let's start with a quick recap of last weekend's pay-per-view full gear. Um, so sadly, out of, I believe, what was it, 10 total matches, <laughs> there's two women's matches. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the buy-in match. We had a women's tag um, with Sheeta and Thunder Rosa defeating Jamie Hayter and Nyla Rose. Uh, did you catch the match at all? I did. I thought it was cool too. They actually got like 12 solid, like about over 12 minutes of solid time. And of course, like it was cool that they had the kind of continuing feud with Hikaru Shida and Serena Deeb with Serena Deeb kind of watching. So there was that moment. And then obviously Thunder Rosa and Shida beat Hater and Nyla Rose at the end. So it kind of left a little sour taste in uh, Serena Deeb's mouth to see her, I guess, new rival kind of win. But overall, I think I thought it was good women wrestling action and really got the crowd off to a great start it was a solid match i think to open up the night yeah and it's it's four women who have pretty different wrestling styles i would mm. say they're pretty different wrestling styles and like you said we saw a little moment between uh, Sheeta and deeb where d looked to be maybe trying to cause a distraction for Sheeta, mm. or at least trying to what do you think of this new kind of heel deeb that they're they're pushing towards us I kind of like it because obviously she calls herself like the the greatest wrestler, like pretty much like best yeah. wrestler, like in the world, the goat, um, not only in women's wrestling, but in overall, which is very, very true. And I feel like for a while, like people know she's a great wrestler, but I think adding this heel element to her, I think just livens up her character and persona even more and can get the people invested even more because people are always going to root for Hikaru Shida. I think she's mm-hmm. undoubtedly one of the most over women in AEW. And so to give her a fierce rival, I think is something new because we haven't really, I feel like had a proper feud for Sheeta yet outside of Britt Baker and Nyla Rose, of course, for the championships. So I think this is very, a good momentum and a new uh, storyline going for the both of them. Yeah, I agree. It's hard to make Sheeta heal. I know they, they Mm kind of tried, I forget the match, but they tried a little bit, Um, Maybe it was with Rio. I can't remember who, but they tried a little bit and it was somebody kind of smaller than Sheeta and it didn't really click. I think Deeb, Deeb too, I thought they would have a hard time turning heel, but it seems to be working and um, it added that much more flavor to the match because to be quite honest, and we'll talk about this later, AW has this thing where everyone just fights everyone and sometimes it's really confused on which is the feud going on. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of just thrown together. I mean, they're definitely not the only company to just throw people together and like tag teams sometimes. Right. But I no. think I'm but I think obviously Thunder Rosa and Sheeta are really, really over as baby faces. And so what a better way to hype up and open up full gear than having your arguably two of the top women's baby faces starting off and earning the victory. Right. And um I believe at least m- is it everyone? Well, most people in this match, at least I think everyone in this match is in the TBS tournament too. So it also kind of gives that extra layer, which is great. Yes. Yes. Everybody in it, everybody in this match was in it. Right. Um, Okay. And then we had the AAW women's title match where Britt Baker retained by defeating Tay Conti by pinfall. So this is the first pay-per-view singles match for Tay Conti. How do you think she did? I actually find that 
a little surprising um, yeah. to learn. Like, I honestly didn't even realize that it was only her first pay-per-view singles match. Um, obviously, we've had, like, the casino battle royales, but I think the fact that this was her first is a real testament. She's really improved and I think really been one of the most consistent players in the AEW women's division, obviously outside of Britt Baker. But Tay Conti is definitely improved and is obviously at the top of... I believe the rankings, she's consistently been at the top. Mm -hmm. Obviously, going into this matchup, though, I feel like everybody felt the result of it was quite obvious. But yeah. it was a great opportunity for Tay Conti to get. She definitely delivered some really, really swift and powerful kicks to Britt Baker. And Britt, I believe, acknowledged that later in the night on Twitter. Um, but I was happy that she got this opportunity. But at the end of the day, I'm glad that they got time. But at the end of the day, I feel like there wasn't any real investment. Like AEW didn't prove to me that Tay Conti was a true contender and nothing to take away from her. But there just wasn't enough build to my liking personally. Yeah. And I mean, so Tay, I guess I kind of forget that Tay was sort of hidden away at NXT because she does sort of step up to the plate when mm -hmm. it's time to do so. And she proves herself. She certainly had a lot of momentum behind her coming into the match. People were just generally like excited for her to be in, in her first singles match um, in a pay-per-view. And like you said, like people sort of knew that what, what was going to happen. Um, and the, I didn't feel like the match really gave me the Britt Baker that I'm used to mm -hmm. um, and the Britt Baker that I love. Like I kept waiting for her to really uh, clown towards the camera uh, most of the match and it didn't happen. Like she tried to get getting that lockjaw and it didn't quite work until the very end. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the thing with Tay Conti is like, she's got such a diverse background and you could see um, a lot of her Brazilian jiu-jitsu in there. Um, she's got some killer kicks and you know, for a first showing by herself, I know she was super nervous. Um, this, I think she did really well, uh, frankly, but it kind of brings us to like the pacing of the match. So the pacing of the match felt personally slow. Would you agree? Yeah, I would think so too, especially considering like Tay Conti is like really energetic and lively and delivers those strong kicks. I think outside of those, it was a little slow, but I think maybe part of it was maybe to prolong the length of the match. And yeah. maybe since this was the first time these two were squaring off on pay-per-view and like you said, Tay was really nervous, maybe that played a factor into it. But I do think overall, this is really a good start for Tay Conti, especially in, in, like I said, improving herself and really rising above the ranks. Cause like I said, that she's really been, I think a staple and somebody that's been heavily trusted and leaned on outside mm -hmm. of Britt Baker. Um, yeah. It, obviously you can always improve stuff. I feel like nothing's ever perfect in wrestling, but overall solid, I think personally, but yeah. Yeah. No, Ty, you're right. Ty was, was really heavily leaned on um, during the, the era of our Lord COVID and, <laughs> yeah. and certainly, um, certainly had to step up to the plate. And I mean, it shows what kind of faith they have in her. Um, you know, Tony Khan has said, in multiple places that he really was excited to bring her on. And you can tell by the faith that they put in her, mm -hmm. um, which is good because eventually she'll become a workhorse, much like people call the four horse woman, right? They just sort of lean on yeah. them. Um, I think with the pace and it's, <laughs> it's kind of funny because I'm always like, I want the women's matches to be as long as possible, but here I am complaining about the pacing. <laughs> um, but I, I think the story was told. And I think there was still a lot of in-ring action that, that built up to maybe possibly something in the future, but it, it's always so hard to tell with AEW. Um, you know, Rebel and, and Jamie Hayter have certainly had quite an influence on Britt's career since mm -hmm. Hayter has arrived. Would you say that Britt needs these two to win? <sighs> No, because she's no, because she's proven her abilities and she's definitely has the in-ring capabilities to back it up. However, I think it works, though, in the heel dynamic, because although she's powerful and everything, I feel like a little part of every heel kind of plays that cowardly heel aspect and mm -hmm. like interfering and using those like undermining tactics and stuff. Yeah. Um, 
but hater and rebel i think definitely add an element of entertainment to especially rebel um and and, and, i mean brit's entertaining herself but rebel i feel like just adds a whole other element and then jamie hater coming into the mix i think kind of just backs up that brit baker has been the backbone of this company and she has two other people backing her up and so Mm. i don't think she necessarily needs them but it doesn't hurt I don't know. Everything, everything's taken with a grain of salt with what I say, honestly. Um, but <laughs> does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah, no, it does make sense. I think, you know, one of the things that makes Brit so lovable is her relationships with other people, with Tony Schiavone, with Rebel, with whomever. She has, um, she has her best moments when she's got somebody to bounce mm-hmm. off of. I personally think not to say that she's a bad promo by herself, but she, you know, her in-ring moments or on the mic moments when there's somebody else with her seems to be amazing. Like I miss her show. I so wish why? I wish they would bring that back. Especially now that Jamie Hater's here, I feel like Hater um, has gone back to her stardom roots with her um, mm. with her gimmick, and it's just kind of the quiet like muscle. And I think the waiting room, I think was that what it was called right, would be um, would be a good moment for her to shine. Uh, I will say that, you know, you're right with the whole thing about um, heels kind of needing that, this sort of like sneakiness to it. But I will say that Brit surprises me because a lot of times you see when heels have, uh, I guess in the other promotion, right, Um, you have heels who have like these sort of minions or what they would say as friends that they're not very supportive of them um, when they're not helping them. That's true. like Dewdrop was, you know, never supported by Eva Marie kind of thing. Um, but Brit is always super supportive of Hater or her girls when they're in the ring, which I think is like, I don't know, for me, it's refreshing. And it's those little story differences that I think can make a whole difference with the women's division. Um, but with all that said, like, where was Anna Jay? I mean, I saw a ton of people on Twitter going like, Tay, Tay has friends. Where are they? <laughs> to be fair, though, wasn't Tay Conti not in Anna's corner when she was facing Jamie Hayter in the TBS championship Ooh. opening round until the very end? Like, Tay didn't come save her until the end at post-match, correct? Yeah, I completely forgot so, about that. So, I mean, to be fair, Tay wasn't in Anna's corner during the championship tournament opening round where Anna lost until the very end. So, I mean, it kind of, I mean, they're supposed to be in the same thing, but maybe this is Anna's way of, you didn't support me. I don't know. But it, to well, me, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, and that brings us to the fallout of Full Gear. Mm-hmm. So, like, does that, I mean, are they planting seeds that Team TJ are going to break up? I mean, that makes me sad. Nothing's apparent. I mean, they have, they did, uh, they had the matching gear with Thunder Rosa, so they seem to still be strong. But it was a bit weird that Jamie Hayter had uh, Britt Baker and Rebel during that championship opening mm-hmm. round of the tournament. But Anna Jay came out with no Tay Conti until Tay made the save at the end. So yeah, there, there's really been no explanation here. Right. And I mean, it could just be that they were not there or they were busy or who, it could be actual logistics stuff and mm-hmm. not story but um i've always predicted that eventually this this would break up um not i mean just because we've been trained <laughs> yeah. to think that women's uh tag teams especially if they're like homegrown or you know made on, on the fly by themselves are, are going to break up eventually so i hope not i mean i, I don't see ty ever being a heel Personally, I think she's just she just couldn't. And Anna Jay, I mean, I don't think so either. And and the fact that the Dark Order has turned very much like top baby faces of the company, I don't see where she could be a part of the Dark Order and also be heel. Um, so hopefully, but who knows, right? I'm sure they're trying to set them up too uh, for singles. So maybe that's just maybe that's it. Um, but the big question too is where does Britt Baker go from here? So Britt seems to have fought just about everyone. Um, I don't have the the data to back that up, but like, where where does Britt Baker go next? Like, who is going to take this title, believably, from Britt? I think it has to be Thunder Rosa. Yeah, 
I mean, obviously, Brits plowed through Chris Statlander, Ruby Soho, obviously, Tay Conti now. She beat Hikaru Shida. And I mean, what better way to circle back to the first ever women's main event in AEW where Thunder Rosa beat Britt Baker? I think Thunder Rosa could make the argument, hey, I already beat you in the first ever women's main event. Like, let's do this again. I mean, if you just saw that reaction that Thunder Rosa got in the Casino Battle Royale when her and Ruby were the final two, mm-hmm. I think you have a perfectly logical and believable true contender to Britt Baker. And maybe this is me just speaking out of like Thunder Rosa does so many amazing things, but I think she has the argument, assuming she doesn't go on to win the TBS uh, championship, of course. Yeah. But I think. Uh, a logical next step for Britt Baker would be Thunder Rosa. Yeah, my only problem with that, like it seems to be because, right. So here's the thing is Britt is so she's booked as so dominant yeah. for AEW that it has to take a dominant person. And Thunder Rosa seems like the most obvious choice. But my issue with that is like, she's so part-time everywhere she goes because mm-hmm. of her own promotion. She runs because she's like, got a title from an indie place she shows True. up everywhere it's how i mean how invested would they have to be and would she have to be an AEW? i mean would she have to completely pull from some stuff um because you would want your top women's um champ to be there like every week like brit is mm-hmm. so my only concern is like how would she manage just the booking of it but I mean, I agree. Definitely she would be the one to take it. I don't really see, I mean, let's say build Ruby up to that. I don't really see who else could take it from her. I just I don't think- know how they would write Ruby back into it after she already got defeated by Britt Baker in that main event right. on Rampage, I believe it was. I just don't know how they would write her back into it. And like I said, Britt's already beaten like Chris Statlander. Has Britt? see that Riho's also part-time so i don't know how that would work i'm trying to think of baby faces unless for some reason rebel and jamie hater turn on her maybe that turns into something i'm just trying to think of like baby faces to go against Britt baker and right now i think really the only one that could make sense logically is thunder rosa but you do bring up a good argument about being full-time and being there consistently i'm just trying to think of the line of the baby faces that they have and how they could write it into something you know she's already beaten chris she's already beaten ruby i mean i would love for ruby to get another shot but like how would you make that argument to where ruby doesn't have to go back to the back of the line and she's next in line you know unless you have anna jay step up but again you'd have to build weeks on weeks on weeks of building anna's momentum well yeah and that's i mean we'll talk about that a bit like a a little little excuse me a little bit later wow um with with our discussion on feuds but that's part of the problem is that there's, it would take so long because Mm -hmm. there's just not a lot of story backing up a lot of these feuds. Um, And I mean, believably, at least physically in the ring, I could see Jamie Hayter, but I don't see them turning Jamie Hayter. Not yet. No. And I don't see, unless they really try to force Brit into baby face mode. I don't Mm know. Um, I mean, she's already so well liked, but Mm -hmm. it's partly because she's such a great heel. So I mean, it brings a lot of questions about Brit's brain and when it's going to end and who's going to take it. And and really, that means the future of the women's division. And I read a article on Fansided, um, Daily DDT, from Rafael Garcia, where he sort of questions Britt Baker, Brit Baker's momentum as a champion and whether it's slowing or not. Um, would you Do you think it's slowing her momentum? I feel like... <sighs> And again, it's not her fault, though, but I feel like at this point there hasn't been. No, I don't want to say there hasn't been. It just felt like the match results have been so obvious, you know, Mm -hmm. even if like Ruby Soho is coming in and is so amazing and is like built up. There just hasn't been enough. Oh, gosh, people are going to come at me. (laughs) I just feel like there hasn't been enough investment in her potential number one contenders to make it that truly believable that oh brit's brit's finally gonna lose that thing or this is the moment that we get a new champion you know it yeah. it's brit's doing amazing but it you also have to cultivate 
a truly believable storyline and building up to that climax of the moment like we saw even with Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. Like people believed that this was the time. And so you have to not only obviously they believe in Brit, but you also have to believe in her opponent, you know, and to me and it's nothing to Brit's. It's not Brit's fault or anything. It's just her booking has been so strong, but her opponent's has not been up to the same par. So her momentum, at least going into storylines, it's like, of course, she's going to retain, you know, it might be a good match. But again, the result is like very predictable. So, I mean, I can see his argument for that. Yeah, no, it's a really good point. She, I mean, I would argue that, you know, they try to bring her in his face and that fell flat. Um, Then I don't, really know whose decision it was. They were never really clear on whose decision is what um, on to turn her heel. And she does so well in the part. Um, I would argue mostly because of her own work that the momentum that she does have, I feel is because of her own doing, because of her character, because of her attitude, her gimmick, her look, her uh, in ring work. I mean, frankly, it's improved like 3000%. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I feel like, yeah, I, I agree with you. And I feel like he's got a point. I think there's this momentum drop because it doesn't seem like anyone can take it from her. And it, it feels like there's no real feuds kind of feels like Brit versus the world, which we'll talk about again later, but, um, it's, it's hard to know what the fallout is going to be for, for full gear period. We don't really know what's next for Tay Conti. I mean, how do you go from like, I'm going to fight in a pay-per-view for the title to what, you know, what's her now next move. I mean, is it tag team wrestling? Um, they're not all that invested. It seems like in women's tag team wrestling, does she now go for the mid card? I mean, the problem I feel like for full gear is it really highlights the problem between their top card, uh, you know, female wrestlers and their mid card. Everything but Brit sort of feels like a, a mid card and maybe Thunder Rosa too. Would you agree? Yes, I definitely agree with you. And again, I don't know what the future for Tay Conti holds because I mean, Night Anna Jay is no longer in the running for the TBS championship. And like you said, the they have enough teams though for their women, which is oh. what I don't they have Tay and Anna, they have Jamie and Rebel, they have the Bunny and Penelope Ford. Um, you easily have Kylan King and Red Velvet, although Red Velvet and um Jade are in this thing now. I mean, you've had mm-hmm. Rio and Chris Statlander team up. Um, you could, I mean, I don't know if Swole is still out, but I mean, Swole and Nicole Savoy, um, if they were to bring them back, the thing is they have like a good, like at least five teams that I think could really work together. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I don't know what the future holds for Tay Conti. Unfortunately, I think it's probably just going to be more a random shuffle of opponents, unfortunately. Yeah. And so, okay. So we'll kind of go over the state of the women's division. I mean, I know we've, we've sort of talked about it with the fallout, um, but I, I feel like it bears repeating. So using their own site roster for reference, because um, usually if they announce it, they put it up on their site. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, there's probably women that are signed um, that are not on their site roster or hasn't been announced, but for this purpose, we're just going to go by the roster. Um, there's 23 signed women. Um, and so my question is, should they keep some signings unofficial or unannounced? I mean, there's always a PR reason for that. Like they want to wait until it's the right time, but I feel like sometimes that hurts their image more than it helps. Do you think it hurts or helps the women's division or their image when they keep some signings sort of on the hush hush? Hmm. I honestly don't know. I feel like, though, it leaves a lot of, like, question marks because, for example, like, I didn't know that Kiara Hogan was signed until somebody pointed out to me that, um, I mean, it wasn't announced on Twitter or anything, but I think it was Tony Schiavone or somebody on Rampage or Dynamite's just, like, Plop mentioned it one time that Kiera Hogan was signed. But again, I didn't even know months after it was announced that she was signed until somebody told me Um, if that makes sense. I don't know if it helps or hurts the division because I think we see a lot of people anyways. Like we see so Mm -hmm. many unsigned talents on Dark, on Dynamite, on Rampage that I mean, I mean, 
you're just going to have a, a cluster of people who are signed mixed in with people who aren't signed, like from the indies. So I don't know if it's hard really to base off of because there really isn't too many companies who, at least on the regular, like Impact is one thing where occasionally we get like indie people coming in, but AEW is really the only main promotion where a lot of unsigned people are in here regularly. So it's really hard to base that off of i honestly don't know if it hurts or helps it uh but yeah. you seem to have an opinion about that so yeah. i I just want to know what you think well yeah i mean so my thought is you know i too with like kira hogan or diamante or some of these people who regularly appear mm-hmm. and it's like you have to go back and search to see if they've actually been signed or if there's mm-hmm. been an announcement or a graphic or anything i mean maybe their website team is slow but i doubt it because Ruby's already up there and Mm -hmm. Jay Lethal is already up there. So I doubt that they're slow. Um, It makes me, I feel like it builds frustration, at least on my part, when I'm like, why aren't you signing these people? When they've been signed, I just don't realize it or Mm -hmm. they don't really make a big deal out of it. And that sort of hurts because I feel like they make deals out of the men's wrestlers. And I could just Mm -hmm. be like some bias. I don't know. But it feels like if you're trying to prove that you're building a women's division and you're investing in it, why would you not announce the women that you're signing and put them on your site roster? Why would you not flaunt that? Um, of course, I don't know like the contract status. I don't know how they're built. Um, maybe that maybe it's like a trial period. Who knows? Um, but it feels a little frustrating. And then too, if we don't realize that they're signed. How do we get invested in them? I mean, no offense to the women who appear on Dark and Elevation, um, but I don't, I mean, I know them and I have investment in them being on there because I think it's great. They're getting a paycheck and they're getting, you know, the the coverage and stuff, um, the eyes on them. But how am I going to get invested in anybody in, in their story with the wrestlers if I don't think they're going to come back or if I don't know if they're going to come back? Um, so it's hard. Like, you know, how do we know that these people are coming back? How are we going to get invested in them? Because I'll be honest, sometimes it's like, look, if I don't think they're coming back, I'm not going to get invested in the story because um, it'll just stop. Suddenly. That's a good point. And so I, I feel like I feel like it's a, a place where they could improve. But, but then again, I'm sure that there are PR reasons for it. And I'm just a fan. So <laughs> uh, but I thought it might be interesting to talk about. Um, so. So active over the last two months of the 23 signed women on their roster has been 19. So that's good, actually. That was a surprising number. Most of the women on their active roster have been wrestling in, um, on any of, I mean, that's for any of the shows, any of their four shows. So that was surprising number to me. Does that is that a surprising number to you that most of them have been wrestling? Repeat that. Oh, <laughs> sorry, that most of the women have been wrestling like 19 out of the 23 um, have been active over the last two months? Yes. Uh, no, not really, because they, I feel like they utilize a lot of them on dark and elevation, at least, even if it's not on dynamite or rampage. Mm-hmm. I think they utilize their women on, I mean, they also kind of have to because they have like four shows, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. So, no, I wouldn't say it's surprising that um, 19 of the 23 have been actively. Um, have been active over the last two months. And I will, yeah, no, I agree. And I will try to slow down <laughs> as I read some of these other stats. I just get very excited about statistics, so I apologize. Um, so the number of women's matches over the last two months, I looked up fifty nine matches on thirty four cards. So, um, I got this info from Cage Match. Sometimes the card that they list are a taping, so it could be multiple shows. That I just counted as cards. Uh, okay. For me, it was just a lot easier to do that. Um, there were 228 total matches on those 34 cards, um, which basically means that out of every almost four men's matches, there's one women's match. So about 25.9% of matches on over the last two months for AW across all shows have been women's matches. Now, um, for Belt Bells, I did uh, like an analysis the Wednesday Night Wars using stats. <clears throat> so that was just dynamite. 
But the last two months of 2020, there was about an average around 20%. So there's more shows, right? More women signed. But is it equally more women's wrestling? It doesn't seem like there's this huge jump or increase. Um, Do you think that adding more shows has really helped add depth or spotlight to the women's division at all? On Rampage, yes. Um, From what I see, I feel like at least a lot more, I feel like a lot more women are showcased on Rampage. On Dynamite, it always feels like it's only one women's segment and maybe because mm-hmm. rampage is only like half the like, rampage is an hour right? right right yeah so rampage i feel maybe it's because the time constraints to where it seems more notable to have a women's segment on like an hour show mm-hmm. than like one in two hours um so if that makes sense like the what are they called not the the ratios is the word yeah. i'm looking for <laughs> Um, there obviously, like you've demonstrated, there hasn't been this huge leap, like maybe a a 5% leap from in 20% to 25. It's definitely a little improvement, but again, a lot of it's like outside of Britt Baker have felt kind of throwaway, if that makes sense, or you could just rotate somebody in, you know, there hasn't been in much investment outside of maybe a Britt Baker or a Thunder Rosa or like a Ruby Soho. I'm glad that they are starting to develop some other feuds right now, like Red Velvet and Jade Cargill, and then Washida and Deeb. And then, mm-hmm. I mean, you have you have some people obviously in the bigger factions like Tayjay's in the Dark Order. Um, and then you have like Penelope and the the bunny with um the butcher and the blade. So we've seen some women like when it comes to factions, but again, it's nothing substantial really or worth investment to I think a lot of people. It just feels like uh I don't know what the word is. <laughs> like a placeholder. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. It's it almost feels like they feel obligated. Yeah, that's the word. <laughs> yeah, like they feel like if we don't, we're going to get crapped on or whatever. And I mean, yes, we want women's matches, but we, you know, we don't just want like anything thrown together. Mm-hmm. Like, we, I mean, we love to see the women regardless. And I think that their their talent on the roster is the biggest strength of the women's division. And so... I don't think there's any like horrible players on their team. No. We want to be invested in a match and doing these stats. I mean, I did them very quickly, but it seems, I mean, it was honestly very surprising to me how many cards only had one match still. And these are like five, six, seven, eight matches on a card. And one of them is women's. It's or, honestly not that surprising to me. It's not, but it, it is because. Yeah. In some ways, you feel like they have improved a little bit, and you thought, well, COVID's, you know, started slowing down. Chris is back. Um, you know, Brit's healed. You think that things have started to to grow a little bit. There's not been a ton of more women signed, but there have been some signed. Mm-hmm. We're seeing certainly more, um, whether they're on the roster or not, uh, return visit. Uh, we see a ton of indie talent. So you think that okay, you're utilizing all of these areas. Um, you are increasing certain parts of of the the stats, right? The women signed and, and you know, amount of shows that you would think that there would be a push for women's wrestling, but I don't see it. And I guess my question overall for the state of the women's division is, as like a women's wrestling fan, what is it going to take for us to feel like we see equality? There has to be, obviously, the easy answer is making the number of matches equal to equal. But of course, with that, again, you don't want it to feel like it's an obligation. You want some substance. You want something to be at stake in these matchups. And you don't always need a championship to do it. I mean, you have obviously in life, like there's love, there's friendship. I mean, we've seen we've seen people fight over the stupidest things in wrestling, like with grudges and stuff, but at least it's something, you know, something is at stake. It's not just something thrown together for no rhyme or reason, you know, Mm -hmm. just something needs to be at stake. There needs to be some substance and some actual showing, or at least an inkling to, I think, convince people that, Oh, they're actually invested in a a storyline outside of the world championship. And, Perhaps maybe this secondary championship coming up is 
I mean, it counters what I'm saying, but it, I mean, it's a championship. It's something else outside of the main championship that's at stake that I think really has the potential to elevate the mid card. Because like you said, outside of Britt Baker and Britt is amazing. She, she is so like, she's a goddess. I love her, (laughs) but outside of like her and like you said, maybe a Thunder Rosa, like the bar, like there's just a huge drop in like, I feel like there's a huge drop in the presence and mm-hmm. overall screen time between that those two and maybe like a Ruby Soho. Um, yeah. And then the rest of the people, it's elevating that mid card. I think it really needs to be the focus. And with the TBS championship coming up, that's giving me a little bit of hope that we can be seeing some <laughs> yeah. other things. I mean, they have, maybe they should also lead into some tag team feuds because I named a few tag teams just off the top of my head. And I'm sure there's a few more, obviously like, there's, I mean, hell, Nyla and Vicky Guerrero still could go. You know, yeah. there is there. I feel like there is there's like four or five, six tag teams that I think. I mean, even if you're not going to have a championship, I feel like you can play more into those. You know, I feel like like especially the Bunny and Penelope Ford have really fallen victim. You know, they haven't really been given any like, I mean, they've been losing upon losing upon losing. And I mean, it's nothing. Obviously, it has to do with booking. But I mean, it's one thing if they're losing singles, but I mean, they're not even losing really to tag teams. When you have TJ, like I said, you have Hater and Rebel, you uh, you have uh, even Kylan and Red Velvet. You know, you have some teams in there that you could be forming. So Hopefully, with this TBS championship, it elevates that mid card a little bit more. I think that is basically what I'm wanting is outside of Britt Baker, show some investment in your women, you know? That's the key word, I think. And that's the word I was going to use. Is I feel like, you know, they have really great talent, they have the airtime to utilize. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, they have really placed their women um, first, they've really given them. Um, the opportunity to shine Mm -hmm. or have pushed them or gave them at least the last match on the card, if not the main event. And I feel like if they, they just invest and I guess the best way we can tell, at least personally for me, that, that somebody at a promotion is investing in a wrestler is by the feud. So like what feuds do we have? Like, so we have Brit versus everyone. Yeah. Yeah, we have Sheeta versus Deeb, which feels like that is slowly building to be an amazing, like, honestly, in my opinion, their top feud. Um, Jade versus Red. um, And it looks like they could be doing something with Ruby versus Penelope, although, like, they've only really fought against each other Mm -hmm. once in the ring. Um, It feels like they're trying to get there. But again, when they're not giving these feuds time, how are we supposed to be invested in them? Um, am I missing any? Do you know is there any other feuds I'm missing? No, but they I don't know why they're not leading more into TJ versus like Hater and Rebel or yeah. the Bunny and uh Penelope Ford. Like Definitely. those are a couple teams right in there there you could easily like feud with, you know? Right. I think there's a bunch of feuds that could be developed or given more time, mm-hmm. and I feel like they have it. They have it right in front of them. But they're not using it. Chris right now is focused on being a member of Chaos, which frankly is amazing. And I'm yeah. not complaining about that. But you know, she's really focused on the best friends right now. Um, and you have people who are on the sideline, and then you have people that were like, where are they? Like Layla Hirsch. I don't know where she mm, is. That's true. And you have, you know, one of the complaints was, okay, well, or the not complaints, but the explanations that were given is, well a lot of their talent is sort of uh, dedicated to stuff going on in Japan. They had Mei Saruga and Lulu mm-hmm. Pencil, and easily one of them could have teamed up with Emmy, mm-hmm. and they didn't have them do that. They they could have kept him here for a while um, instead of just visiting and really made something with, I mean, Rio and Emmy's their background's already built in. They've already utilized that background. Um, Riho is this baby face. Mm-hmm. Emmy is naturally a heel, although I think they've tried to use her as a baby face. Why not get Lulu or May? Have them, you know, be not just her backup outside the ring uh, or carrying her robe, um, but to actually get in the ring and fight with her. I mean, it seems like they they have the stuff here. Abaddon could fight anybody. <laughs> it seems like they have it. 
they have the meat, <laughs> but they're not using it. And I don't mean that like, <laughs> I don't want to say meat as in like, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I'm not trying to like. We get what you mean. Yeah, okay, good. That's <laughs> from a movie. Um, so I, I just feel like they have the talent there and they're just really not using it. And I feel like part of this is that they are aiming, at least they've said, to place heavy emphasis on rankings. And if everyone's fighting each other in a consistent manner, then that makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. Because you want your rankings to reflect how good they are in the division. So they would have to fight each other. But it doesn't bode well for storylines. If everyone's fighting each other, you can't keep a story. You can't keep a feud. And it doesn't seem to be what they're doing in the men's division. Like, whatever they're doing in the men's division is not what's happening, at least on a consistent level with the women's division. I, I don't know. Do What do you prefer? Do you prefer some storyline or do you like it that it's more sports centric? It's hard because like, I feel like most of us grew up in the sports entertainment age. And um, I feel like more of the emphasis in AEW anyways is on the actual wrestling. So that takes away a little bit of that entertainment or storyline value. So, I mean, again, it comes down to what does AEW value, you know, but also it's taking into account like the uh, wants, needs, desires of your audience too as well. And I feel like a lot of us want that good balance. Of course, we love like high flying and like intense wrestling action, but also a lot of us appreciate a good like emotional or something storyline that makes you feel something like any emotion, you know? Yeah. And so it's finding that balance, I think. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And I think, you know, so, okay, we can go on to the TBS tournament because I feel like they, they lean really heavily on tournaments quite a bit, not just in the women's side, but also on the men's side, that feels very sports centric to me, this sort of, you know, double elimination sort of thing or elimination tournaments. Um, those, those feel sports centric. Mm -hmm. I feel like they try at least, um, to build feuds from the brackets, mm -hmm. but it's like, how, how does it stay unless both of those people are losing? Um, I mean, it, for me, it seems like the only real feud that comes out of a tournament is the finals um, and not what happened in the first round. Um, I don't know. Jade and Red Velvet, I'll, I mean, they had that match earlier this year, which actually feels like a lifetime ago with like <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal and Cody Rhodes. That's yeah. actually, I mean, that's low-key been brewing since then. So it's cool that they're revisiting that and perhaps this could continue forward. I mean... Assuming neither of when neither of them win the TBS championship, but that's a whole nother discussion. But I think it's cool that they are revisiting this feud between Jade Cargill and Red Velvet, at least in the TBS tournament setting. Right. And they are so we're at the quarterfinals in the tournament. Mm -hmm. There's Hater versus the Narosa. Um, there's Jade versus Red, Nyla versus Sheeta, and Chris versus Ruby. Um I mean, I have my predictions. Do you have any predictions who's, like, going to win it all? Yeah, uh, Jade Cargill. I really? think, yeah. I, I, like, maybe I'm, I think I'm just hell-bent on Thunder Rosa going as Nick Britt Baker's next opponent. And Jade sure. Cargill, I mean, they don't have, I mean, to be fair, they don't have, have a lot of, like, one-year anniversaries or anniversaries for people in AEW, and they just had her one-year anniversary cake for signing. So that, I think, says something. And she's really been on a tear and on a winning streak since coming into AEW. And so I think it's maybe not time for her to go to go after Britt Baker just yet, but it's very apparent that they have some trust and investment in Jade Cargill. And mm -hmm. so I think this is the, perhaps the setup for a world championship uh, title reign down the line. And so I think her as the TBS champion, I think would make sense, but I also know a lot of people want Ruby Soho to win. So it depends. Maybe I, again, maybe though Brick Baker is the healed champion. Maybe you do want your TBS champion to be that baby face. So maybe it would be a Ruby Soho because she has a lot of stock too, but I think it has to be Jade or Ruby personally. Yeah, I, I agree. My actually, my first, my first gut reaction is Ruby mm -hmm. only because she, they've obviously put a lot of stock in her. Um, and she's well liked and she's a big name. She's a big signing for them. Um, but you've kind of convinced me, I think, of Jade. I 
I mean, where do they go with her if if they're going to keep having her undefeated? That's mm-hmm. the thing, too. It's like at some point, um, you can't have an undefeated roster member not have some sort of title, some reign. Um, I don't think that she would maybe necessarily be a good match in a feud for Bit. Um, I think they're too close attitude wise. Mm-hmm. I don't know who who you would root for there. Right now, yeah, you wouldn't. But who's to say that? I mean, Britt would maybe turn back babyface since the crowd loves her yeah. so much. I think right now is definitely not the right time. But I think eventually Jade uh, Jade Cargill is definitely going to be up in the running for the women's championship. I Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, here's the thing. It's like the women's title has been held for very long lengths, but I don't think it's always been um, intentional. Mm-hmm. And we're so used to sports entertainment where, quite frankly, like year-long reigns are almost unheard of over there. Yeah. Um, and they're very quick, like 100-day reigns. So I think eventually at some point you have to build these feuds up to where the the belts are changing hands more and you're more invested in who's holding it. I think Jade versus red. Um, I, I, I don't, I mean, here's the thing, like who ends up at the end with Jade then? Um, I feel like this red versus Jade feud is one of my favorites. And the cake thing was hilarious because anytime you see a cake in wrestling, you go, okay, who's that going to end up on? Um, and it, it just was fantastic. Um, I'm interested to see what the trajectory of the title will be and if it will be similar to TNT title. The, the inaugural TNT belt was won by Cody, and that was also won by a tournament um, mm-hmm. over Lance Archer. And when I looked back at the reigns and, and the defenses, it's defended quite often. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that I'm hoping that it it follows the same suit because I feel like we we could get some benefits from a mid-card title just having more women's wrestling presence um do you think the tournament has added any presence extra presence or do you think it's sort of like it's become the match of the the night i think it's definitely brought a lot of presence because i think we're getting a lot of cool matchups and also like intertwining storylines from this tournament like serena and hikaru shida like that match really started their feud obviously was deep attacking Sheeta after Sheeta won and that's been continuous and then it's kind of reignited this thing between red velvet and jade part i mean obviously i'm invested because i'm like a women's wrestling fan so maybe maybe we're just biased here but it definitely has brought a, a presence and really ignited some fresh feuds and so i mean obviously not everybody can win this so i think it is a perfect chance to obviously not only showcase your women but further or develop these storylines you know yeah that's a good that's a good point it, it's always on my mind to bring somebody in who maybe is not as quite invested in women's <laughs> wrestling but then what would they talk about i don't know they, they may not know what they'd be like i don't know um but that's a good point and i think what's really important about the tournament not only having just another belt which is very exciting and very unheard of in other promotions is separating who they think is going to be top card and mid card. I'm really excited to see how people fall in line and where they go because I will get a bigger idea, I think, of who they consider the top contenders for these belts um, and who maybe is just going to be secondary storylines. So I'm excited for them to sort of set up their division that way because I feel like it's been needed. We get an idea, at least in WWE, of who's fallen where. So I'm excited for that. What brings us kind of in our strengths and weaknesses? I mean, we've talked throughout the whole episode a little bit about what we think are their strengths and weaknesses, but what would you say are some main strengths of the women's division? I think with any division is really the caliber and the talent level of the people they're bringing in, like from all walks of life and like, representation like you have people from like japan and and then i mean the u.s you have people from britain like all over the world is really really cool to see representation and then you have nyla rose coming in as an lgbtq representative and so many other people in here and so many you have veterans in here obviously like like a thunder rosa like a Sheeta, like um do you consider Britt baker i mean she's been doing this like 
five, six years. But to me, like she feels more of like a veteran too. And then you obviously have like an Emmy Sakura. And then you have also some newer people like Anna Jay. I mean, didn't she just made her debut in like 2020, like early 2020 was her first match, I believe. And then like Jade Cargill, you know, and then, other people who are really developing themselves. And then, I mean, Tay Conti's been in here a few years, but really didn't get her footing until she arrived to AEW. And so I think definitely they have a good uh, diversity within their women's division, obviously. And then they are super talented. I just don't think that they're always properly showcased how they should be, but they do have those moments where, wow, you know, like, that there's this real investment and to see people really invested in people like a Jade Cargill who came in really with a rocket strapped to her mm-hmm. and she's been like very, very victorious and dominant. And so I think those are definitely a few strengths is the diversity and the talent level. Unfortunately though, the talent level isn't always showcased in the best way or, you know, right. so. Right. I, I, I agree. My my main strength for their division is the, the talent. I mean, and it's usually the talent. The talent, I don't believe, like you said, is as green as a lot of people would like us to believe. Um, I I it's been a while, but I think the last time I looked, it was like an average of nine years. That's not green. I mean, maybe green um on national television, but yeah. I would argue most people <laughs> came in green. Um there's lots of diversity in gimmicks, looks, wrestling mm-hmm. styles. I mean, that buy-in full gear, almost every single one of them had a different wrestling style involved. And that sort of depth is something that most divisions are trying really hard to replicate. Um, I feel like I feel like WWE gets in their way a little bit sometimes because they want that depth. They clearly are, are hiring people who are different, at least they were. Um, and then it's not showing up. And then they're like, nope, we've got this this coat that we're going to apply to everybody and everyone's going to kind of eventually start to look the same. Whereas AW, I feel like they really embrace the different styles. Um, and it's really interesting that it almost becomes like fantasy booking when you can see, okay, nihilist style versus Abaddon or, you know, Britt Baker versus Sheeta. And what kind of, what are we going to get from that? I mean, it's huge. And there's only room to grow for their division. That's the other thing. They haven't gotten to a point and I mean, to be quite frank, I think the men's division in AEW is starting to sputter a little bit. Like they have so many um, that at some point they have to go, are we going to keep hiring people? Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like that's the case for the women's division. I think there's room to grow and they're extremely over. The fans, um, even like non-AW fans, are in love with their women's division. Every single member, there's not a person in there that's not over in some way. Um, and, and I think that's like a really great strength is that the fans are behind the women, but that is also brings us to the weaknesses. The vision is extremely over, but they're not leaning very hard into it. At least it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like they are. Um, you know, we've talked about the inequity and inequity and how the divisions are being run. That sort of feels like, I think it sort of leans into some fears that people have that the booking isn't going to be very consistent and just overall, like, how do you treat your women? And we just simply don't see the woman enough. There doesn't seem to be a rush in signing new women. Um, we don't have, you know, a ton of matches. Um, it, it just doesn't seem to be like a priority. What are some weaknesses for you? You said most of them. Like yeah. it's, <laughs> it's that journey to having enough not enough, but more time allotted because there's definitely enough time between four shows, you know, Um, like between two hours of Dynamite, one hour of Rampage, and then, I mean, they're moving to TBS, um, and then, like, Dark and Dark Elevation. It's just there's more there is definitely enough time for them, and maybe it's the expansion of the roster, but also, I mean, I mean, to be fair... I mean, you said earlier that they have 23 signed women that they we know of. Right. Um, and so I think it, maybe instead of rushing, maybe this just me, maybe instead of rushing to sign more, 
I feel like they need to first cultivate the women that they already have right now and making that investment and giving them more time. And then, and then of course you can add some more people in um, that you are always wanting to evolve the division and bring in new faces and stuff, which I, we obviously see a lot of on dark and elevation. Of course, I mean, enhancement talent are needed all the time to put over people, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But I think First, focusing maybe on signing and signing and signing people, at least that they seem to do in the men's division, actually invest in the people that you have right now that you have clearly had trust in or at least some interest in because you signed them. And so for maybe for me, that's my take on the weaknesses of the women's division. But maybe that's just me. I don't know. No, it's a very level headed response Um, because you're right. I mean, that's. That's sort of what I feel. And there's been some indie wrestlers who have talked about it a little bit in some Twitter spaces about just this seems to be like not hoarding because I feel like they are using most of their men, but they do seem to be kind of, you know, rush signing. Mm -hmm. And then some of them just sort of sit around or they're not used for a while or they're not used very much. Um, And at what point do you go, okay, let's, let's stop that. Let's stop with the big names and let's just, utilize what we have um what are some of your future hopes for the women's division at AEW? i hope that gap between uh brit baker and basically the world um gets a little bit smaller and we actually some more i mean obviously you have some top stars like thunder rosa ruby soho chris stantlander hikaru shida that are immense draws but like i said earlier there was never really the true like believability is, Oh my God. Like, of course it's going to be a great match, you know, Mm -hmm. but there's never that true believability so far as like, Oh wow. Like I think this might actually be the night that Britt Baker loses. So my hope is that that gap between Britt Baker and the world gets a little bit smaller, you know, and like yeah. Britt Baker can't hold down the fort the whole time. Um, yeah, she's, she's amazing. But at some time, I mean, like we've seen in WWE, like Ro- it was Roman Reigns versus the world, you know, and people right. got sick of that after a while, you know, like it was just, you yeah. know, it's like overexposure sometimes and Britt's amazing. And I just don't want her to fall victim to that because she is, Oh my gosh, she she's so amazing. I mean, she ranked number four for a reason on the PWI right. women's list. And yeah. so I just don't want that overexposure of people to feel like, oh, we've seen enough of her, you know? Yeah, and and she also just deserves a break. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. right? Like she deserves a vacation once in a while. Um, I remember when I worked at David Dart um and they were just starting their division. I interviewed her and she was really excited and really happy to get to work, but you know, I think, I think you're right. I think we just, we don't want her to be overexposed. Um, I sincerely hope that the TBS tournament and this new mid card belt will be a jumping off point for the women's division. I hope it means more feuds, more storylines, more time, um, more dedication, more investment. Um, and not just from our pocketbooks, but also just in care and concern and um, time on the screen. Um, but, you know, we have, we are fans. We have to be cautious with our hopes. We have to be willing to admit that we don't book the thing. Yeah, we don't. Um, <laughs> we were certainly, I don't work behind the scenes and I will be the first to admit I've never ran a promotion. So I just want to see all women all the time and I want everyone to get a paycheck. And I know that that's not always possible. In fact, it's not really possible, but um, you know, we've certainly covered a lot here. And I think for our, uh, a debut episode, we did a, a great job diving into some of the praise and the criticism that AW receives for the Romans booking. Um, Ella, thank you so much for being my first guest. You're always a wonderful guest to have on any women's wrestling show. And this was no different. Uh, tell the people where they can find you. Well, first of all, thank you so much for asking me to join on this historic debut first episode. Congratulations on that. You do amazing work and really important work and are really a true, valuable voice in this community, Kristen. And I hope you never forget that. 
Thank and you. you can find me on Twitter at it's Ella J. And if you go to my bio in my Twitter, you can find my link tree with all my links to a wrestling gal about belt to bells, women's wrestling talk, wrestle zone, Essie scoops, and a lot of other cool stuff. All of it though is in, like I said, in my link on my Twitter. And you can also listen to a wrestling gal on all your uh, podcast platforms. Me and Ella are stands for each other. So <laughs> true. Um, we just, yeah, go support Ella and everything she does. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kristen Ashley. Um, and my work can be found both in PWI and at bellsabells.com. Um, the PWI Women's 150 Collector's Issue is out on newsstands right now. So be sure to pick yours up today um, and, and stay safe. Mm-hmm.